Anthroposophy to the Point, a podcast of the weekly journal Das Gertianum. Welcome, everybody. My name is Charlie Cross. I'm an editor here at the weekly journal Das Gertianum. And today we have a very special guest, Dr. Adam Blanning from Denver, Colorado. Um, Dr. Blanning is very involved with a lot of the anthroposophical medical trainings and um, organizations in both in the United States and, and internationally. And wonderfully, he was just named to be one of the heads of the medical section here at the Gertianum. Um, and so starting next year, he'll be around here a lot more. And we're looking forward to, uh, to welcoming his uh, involvement with the, the weekly journal as well. Uh, so welcome, Dr. Blanning. Thank you, Charlie. Great to be here. Yeah, I, I look forward to these new adventures. It's uh, exciting to think about collaboration and, gosh, really trying to see how the sharing and work and cooperation can be happening on a more international level. Mm-hmm. So we invited you on the podcast today to speak about um, sort of one of these... Uh, spirits of the times, this, these, these crazes that's, that's present today. And that's the Wim Hof method. Um, Wim Hof is the, the ice man for those of you that haven't encountered, uh, his, his personality or work. And, and basically it's a combination of, um, intense breath work and cold exposure and also a sort of uh, attitude, a sort of mental cultivation. And um, aside from just garnering a lot of um, supporters and fans and devotees, perhaps, he's also astounded a lot of um, scientists in changing our understanding of what's possible with human physiology. Um, And as I've been sort of you know, struggling and, and trying to understand what's going on here, I, it occurred to me that anthroposophical medicine has a really wonderful way of describing a lot of these processes that he's working with. He's working with heat and cold and uh, the will. And so that was the impulse to, to reach out to Dr. Blanning. Like, hey, hey, what's going on here? Are, are there other ways? How, how can we speak about what's unfolding in the human body and spirit and um, what else is there also in this domain? How you know it's not just breath work and cold exposure, but there's there's a, a whole range of therapies or ways of approaching this um, cultivation of warmth, or you know, working with the warmth in the body. And so, yeah, that's that's why we had you on today. And um, I guess the leading question would be. You know how do, how do you think about warmth in the body? Yeah, this is a huge issue, but um, you know if you could just give an an introduction or a, a description. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's really fun to to look at Wim Hof's work and the the attention that he's garnered because I really think it's it's one of these areas where it doesn't quite fit the usual paradigm of what we're capable of. Because he's he's doing things with his body and his physiology that most people would say are not possible. So the, those those kind of individuals are always fun, or the, those situations. And if you look at Wim Hof's work, definitely 
intention and enthusiasm are a really core part. And I think within the understanding of anthroposophy and anthroposophic medicine, that warmth is a core aspect of how we we work in our bodies, of, of really how the eye is active. That, that part of ourselves that's really the spiritual kernel of each of our individuality, and that the way we can really be working is through warmth. And I think something that really helps illuminate his work is a recognition that warmth is this kind of bridge that can go all the way from very standard measurements of, of warmth to social warmth, to emotional warmth, to spiritual intention and enthusiasm. And an anthroposophic picture is that really those are all the same thing. So warmth is, is this place where we can really bridge from physicality to spiritual activity. And if you look at his book, I, I haven't met him. I'd love to someday. But clearly he brings great intention and enthusiasm to everything that he's doing. He'd like to change the world with this method. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One ice bath at a time, I think. <laughs> yeah. So there's lots of ways that you work with warmth as an anthroposophic doctor. Um, would you mind just introducing us to you know some of the some of the important things that you're focusing on or prescribing or yeah yeah absolutely probably a a really important place to start is just the recognition that warmth can be an important part of, of how we transform and deepen. Uh, there's lots of fear of warmth, actually, and, and fear of inflammation. Generally, if, if you see fever, if you see inflammation, that's risky. It should be stopped. It should be suppressed. It's very, very common that if you walk into a medical facility and you have an elevated temperature that one of the very first things you might be treated with, maybe even before being evaluated, is, is something to bring your temperature down. And what's so fascinating is that even though there's really good research, um, the American Academy of Pediatrics put together this big guideline about fever um, that really allowing the body to create and direct and sustain warmth as it needs to, it helps us heal faster. We, we get through infections better. Uh, if you have a high warmth state, then your immune system is better able to fight off bacteria. Uh, there are studies that show that viruses slow down in terms of how they can increase in the body when the temperature is high. Uh, so really, if you look at the research, it shows that we shouldn't be blocking that process routinely. And there's great work that's been done within the anthroposophic medical world of really trying to educate people. There's something called Fever Friend, which is actually an app you can get for your smartphone that will guide you step-by-step step through a situation and, and try and tell you if this is an elevated temperature that you should be concerned about or not. So that's, that's really kind of a starting place is allowing 
some understanding for warmth and being open to the little bit of, of risk. I don't even know if I want to say it's risk. I, being open to the space for things to be changing in a dynamic way because most medical approaches are about controlling a process where warmth is something that really loosens and reorganizes but allows us to be in a different place. Yeah. Well, I will all say warmth in early childhood is, is particularly important because you can just see that warmth is a way that children feel more comfortable in their bodies. Uh, it's, it's essential for immune development. There are studies showing things like children who have autistic behaviors um, actually have those kinds of symptoms or patterns go down in a, in a very observable way when they have a strong fever and they actually last after the fever. A, a week later, you can see that things are better. And that's, that's not because it's suppressing those behaviors as I think it's really helping someone feel more comfortable in themselves and in their body. Mm. Wow. What a, what a beautiful image of, um, yeah, like a, almost like a holy fire <laughs> working through the body. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Absolutely. So you would sort of understand that Wim Hof is, is kind of creating, if not a fever in his body, he's somehow taking conscious control of this capacity to generate warmth. Yeah, so his descriptions of being able to be in an ice bath for, let's say, 60 or 90 minutes and not have his core body temperature drop at all, that means the amount of warmth that he is creating, that, that, that he's facilitating, is phenomenal. I haven't seen anything about him doing the same kind of exercise when he's not in an ice bath. And, and I would say, gosh, if he was in a regular room with a regular temperature and created that kind of warmth, yeah, maybe that would be too much. But uh, I, I would say it, it really has this hugely transformative activity. And he's, he's able to really show that it's possible to be working in a conscious way with the less conscious activities of our body. Because usually we don't decide whether we should warm up or cool down. Uh, that's much more in a unconscious level. Um, it's, it's carefully regulated, but most of the time we don't sit down and decide what we're gonna do. We're, we're carried through that process. And the, the way he describes that autoimmune illnesses can change, that diabetes or high cholesterol can be improved, I, I think that's because he's really able to show that you can, you can take hold and warmth can have this kind of transformative activity. It's pretty impressive. He's, he's very enthusiastic about his process. And it, it's also so striking just how enthusiastic he is about life. <laughs> he, uh, he seems very positive about this is a good thing and you can change it and we, we should really enjoy it, uh, take hold. So that's the enthusiasm part of warmth. Yeah, I mean, this this could open up a whole domain of speaking about 
the power of the mind or um mm-hmm. yeah i i heard it described that the placebo is uh you know one of the most studied uh medicines in the world yeah. and maybe the most effective or something <laughs> of the sort well yeah. um the, there's the research showing that the part of the brain that registers physical warmth is the same part of the brain that registers experiences of trust and kind of social moral warmth as well. So if we think about this part of the brain, the insula being uh, a receptor or a, let, let's say a, a focusing of those kinds of inputs, clearly that that collecting that perception also then has an activity within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that really shows where our interest in enthusiasm does kind of waterfall directly over into our metabolism, into our immune system. I mean, the whole field of psychoneuroimmunology, that your thoughts and behaviors have an effect on your nervous system, which has an effect on your immune system. That's showing those bridges. One of the things that was striking um, to me is the way that he was speaking about this as a uh, almost a panacea for the diseases of modernity. That in the last gosh, you know, hundred years, our physiology has changed a lot and and led us to all these sort of new, difficult to deal with um, disease states, autoimmune diseases, or um, even cardiovascular diseases. We can, we can see a, a big rise in that. Um, yeah, and, and so there's something about being human today that his work is maybe geared, geared towards. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. There was a, a study that came out a couple of years ago that shows that we're actually cooler now than we were 150 years ago. Some really interesting uh, research that was done actually in the U.S. looking at veterans of the Civil War, so 1860s, 1870s, and how their body temperature was measured. And as they got older, their body temperature went down And then um, another group that was studied in the 1960s and could see that as they got older, body temperature went down, but their starting place was cooler. And then if you look at more recent measurements, the last decade or two, that again, as you get older, body temperature goes down, but the starting place is again lower so that probably an estimate is that at least in Fahrenheit a, a true average body temperature is about 97.9 it's, it's not 98.6 and they've they've even been able to make rough estimations of how much body temperature has dropped per decade Wow. Um, and it's true that if you, if you look at the kinds of illnesses that we have they tend to be chronic illnesses it's not so often that people are really suffering from strong acute inflammations that are happening in the moment. And a, a difference if you look at something like, let's say, a, a sore throat with a fever 
um, some kind of big inflammation is that there was a warmth element to that. And if you look at allergic or autoimmune illnesses, very often there's inflammation, but there's not the element of strong warmth in there. If you get asthma, you have inflammation, but you don't have a fever with asthma generally. If you have eczema, you have inflammation, but you don't get a fever with eczema. Um, and so there, there has been a shift that I, I think we just function in a cooler realm and in a, an experience of more chronic processes that go for years, uh, decades, rather than these very strong inflammations. So that's probably part of why what he's doing is, is exciting and people really feel there's some truth in it. So I want to, uh, I want to ask you about mistletoe. Yeah. Because I know that um, my understanding is that mistletoe is also sort of creating a, a fever in the body. It is. Um, and I'm also wondering about this sort of soul processes that go along with that. Do you, do you, do you notice people's you know, self or spirit or eye strengthening, changing through that, through that process as well? Or maybe you could just give a, a brief introduction to mistletoe. Too. Yeah. Well, mistletoe is amazing in terms of it, it really is a treatment that is stimulating and facilitating us to increase our own warmth and to create inflammation. It's, it's really one of the only things I can think of that when I'm describing it to somebody, the side effects and the desired effects are the same thing. You, usually you give a whole list of concerning things to look for, uh, and this is, it's basically the same. And mistletoe comes into the body, and it has strong properties of being something other, something outside of us. And in that encounter, I think it, it awakens our immune system, it awakens our eye, and the immune system is really an expression, a, a pathway of the eye to be active, to say, this is something that doesn't belong in me. And so it creates inflammation. And I do think that when people have been doing it for a time, and then you try and enlarge the conversation a little bit, to say, this is something that is helping us define ourselves on a treatment level, like what's a healthy cell and what's a cancer cell and what belongs inside of me, that, that's pretty clear. That's really the main goal for a lot of people with mistletoe therapy, but that also people find some kind of clarification or new steps, maybe in terms of habits of how they interact with other people Sometimes people have specific experiences that they will say after a time, I feel like I can really let go of that. I don't have to be carrying that around anymore. Or it can be annoying, I think, sometimes to some of the people around them <laughs> because it can be convenient to have somebody maybe take something on that doesn't really need to be theirs. And sometimes people really awaken into that and say, I'm, 
many areas. I think that's part of this stronger experience and appreciation of what really belongs to me, what's a core part of me, mm -hmm. and what's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite beautiful. So maybe in a way we could even understand the, um, the strong exposure to the cold as a similar sort of challenge that somebody's, you know, willingly taking on, maybe in smaller doses. <laughs> right. I, I think it is. Because um, one important aspect is warmth has this overlapping effect. So you can hold a warm cup of coffee and it will make you be more socially receptive to other people. There are fun studies about that. Or you can hold a cold pack and it's more likely that you'll choose a present for yourself as opposed to a present to share with a friend. They, they show these correlations between a hot pack and a cold pack. Um, we'll have to get those studies to, to put in the notes. Yeah, we, we can do that. It, those are some of the most fun things, I think. But really, we can receive warmth from the outside, but when we can self-engender warmth, when it's something that we create, that's where the, the potentiality of this really increases. So with mistletoe, it's not that mistletoe is given to you as a hot injection. You know, it's, it's not hot fluid running into you that makes you warm. It's something that stimulates you to increase your warmth. And so I think for uh, Wim Hof and these very strong cold exposures, it is what is being asked of you. And he talks about this, that it might seem impossible. So just start with 15 seconds of cold water at the end of your shower. And over time, it will build up. I was thinking about um, the description in Anthroposophy of Ahriman being a cold uh, influence. And how in some way we could think about, you know, perhaps even these chronic illnesses are sort of, you know, manifestation of this aramonic, you know, uh, you know, making us feel frozen or sclerotic or what have you. It's a, it's an, and, and we need a sort of fiery response to, to that coldness that's everywhere today. Right. Yes. I think. I, I think that's that's everywhere, whether it's the cooling aspect of just materialism generally, which there there's definitely this this guidance or viewpoint that material is the most important thing, certainly in the medical realm to say we are just physical bodies, we're kind of machines. And, and the way to approach and know us is to work on that level, which what, what's fascinating there is that it, it actually is trying to eliminate the space for our own participation in the healing process. Because I think as technology increases and the kinds of very complex assessments increase, it's all being done to us. 
but it's very hard for you yourself to find a, a place of healing and participation in there. So I do think this, this hardening emphasis on materialism um, is, is very prevalent. And I think we do need that warmth to meet it and transform it. Um, and I think that people are hungering for that. Yeah. So unfortunately, I think, I think we're right about the time that we should, should be stopping. There's uh, lots more that we could speak about. I'm wondering if there's anything that you want to, to share or point people to just as a, as a sort of last, um, last comment or as a, as a conclusion. Yeah, well, just thinking about the experiences of the last couple of years, really saying that fear has a cooling effect. If you're really scared, you will get colder. Your blood will pour into the more the core of your body and you get, you get cold and stiff and, and protective on the outside. And so I think Steiner speaks specifically about how transformative enthusiasm is and interest, not just on the level of our individual physical health, but really in terms of the health of the whole evolution of human beings and the health of the world and the cosmos. And so I really think it's, it's essential that we are self-defining and we're speaking our truth and we're also really cultivating this interest and really trying to find the ways that, that we love the world and we're interested in being in the world because that's the whole side of warmth that we're bathed in all of the time. I actually think that that warmth is much, much bigger than what we can measure with a thermometer, though, though it's dipping its toes into the physical warmth that we can see and recognize in those scientific experiments. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wonderful. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, yeah, and we hope to have you back again. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Warmth is fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, th this was a warm conversation. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, let's open a window. Yeah, okay. And, and, and uh, podcasts, I think, also have a sort of warmth that uh, sometimes text doesn't. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Charlie. All right. Thank you, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. You can read the English edition of the weekly journal Dasker Tianum at daskertianum.com slash en.